Hey now, welcome to the debut podcast of Deadology. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. Today is August 7th, 2023, and I'm in a hotel room in Springfield, Massachusetts. Saw Carlos, the legend Santana, last night, and he was amazing. If you get a chance, go catch him, man. Uh, a living legend, maybe the greatest living guitarist in the world, still out there doing his thing. But for the first episode of Deadology, we are going to time travel back 41 years to Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, and the good old Grateful Dead. The first show they played uh, out of those two shows in 1982, August 7th, uh, is immortalized on the Dick's Pick series as volume 32, and they played the following night, which is also a very good show. Before diving into those uh, incredible shows... Uh, I'd like to share my, my tale of how I ended up in Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, because it's an amazing period uh, in my life and any deadhead's life when, you, when you're like 18 or whatever age you get into them, but that first year or two when you're into them, the just falling in love, the obsession you have for the band. Uh, so I'm 18, I'm in uh, Tennyson Park, Nanuet, playing basketball, my friend Doug shows up. He goes, Howie, I, I got to ask you something, man. Do you want to see the Grateful Dead in Alpine Valley, Wisconsin next week? Imagine how freaking hot Garcia is going to be in the Midwest. <laughs> and that's all it took, man. I, I was all in. We had just seen a bunch of Jerry uh, Garcia band shows, uh, Music Mountain, Capitol Theater, New Haven in the summer of 82. And I had seen six Grateful Dead shows up to that point, man. But I was so excited to go out west for, for that show. I had never been out west. Um, you know, and I, I hadn't been as far west as Pittsburgh, let alone the Mississippi River. So the, the whole road trip was uh, extremely exciting. Uh, on the morning of August 6, 1982, um, I was driving in my mar- maroon 1978 Chevy Caprice Classic. Uh, picked up Doug and three other deadheads. Everybody brought clothing, whatever they needed. And everybody brought a part of their Boule collection, Boule tape collection, because for 16 hours, we were just sharing the best versions of uh, different shows, different songs. And when the whole ride, we were trying to up, one-up each other. Like, you got to check out this Scarlet Fire. You got to check out this China Cat. So it made for an, an incredibly fun 16-hour adventure uh, getting out to uh, Wisconsin. I think uh, we pulled over in an Illinois rest area, caught a couple hours of sleep, drove into Wisconsin on actually on August 7th, and we... Got a little cabin uh, about five miles outside of East Troy, where Alpine is, in a beautiful resort town, Lake Geneva, and had a set, set up camp there, and then it was off to the show. And man, what a show it was. So the two songs I most wanted to hear were Music Never Stopped and Sugar Ree. I'd been listening to a lot of 1977 tapes at the time, and those were Two, two songs I've, I'd yet to catch at my first six shows. So what do you think they opened the show with? Music Never Stopped, which was a, a, a rarity for that uh, time period. And I was out of my mind in excitement. They go into the jam, and then they didn't complete the jam. I've never heard of that before. And they go into Sugar Ree. <laughs> it was like a dream. I couldn't believe it was happening. And um, after Sugar Ree, they went back and played the end of the Music Never Stopped. So it was the first time they ever did that. I mean, I was just out of my mind with excitement but the truth of the matter was that it actually they weren't great versions yeah but the rest of the show would more than make up for that 
but this is one time where the excitement way exceeded the performance. But man, it's still an amazing thing. Music, sugary music. I, I don't know if I recovered the rest of the night from that opening. And it was a night of combinations. Uh, Weir follows up with an Uncle River. And, you know, they're getting into a nice flow of a typically hot first set. Very, very good uh, jam in the Big River. It must have been the Roses followed that. Um, we're up to six songs now. Garcia's voice on this night was a little off. You could hear uh, Healy's putting in some reverb to help him out. And after Roses, uh, C.C. Ryder, great little blues jam by Garcia at the end. Weir with his slide guitar work. Ramble on Rose is very cool. Garcia is really starting to heat up now. Uh, great little uh, jam in the middle. And then another combination from Weir. This is the third Weir combination. You get to beat it down the line into On the Road Again. And On the Road Again is uh, definitely a rarity. I think they only played it electric seven times. Uh, 1982 is a very rich year for the song repertoire of The Grateful Dead. You know, you got the Reckoning songs. They started playing some of the Reckoning songs, Electric. Um, you know, well, you got your Jackaro and On the Road Again, songs like that came into the rotation. They brought back Dupree's Diamond Blues, Crazy Fingers. Yeah, so 1982, a, a very good year on a lot of fronts. Uh, continuing on with the show, the 11th song of the first set, a great performance of Althea, very crisp. Garcia's voice is really starting to loosen up at this point. And they put the greatest exclamation point you could put on any set the, with ending it with Let It Grow. In uh, one of the books I wrote, Deadology, Volume 2, uh, the 33 uh, essential Grateful Dead uh, jam anthems, Let It Grow is one of the songs I talk about. And this version is the definitive version, the best one, no questions about it. With most Grateful Dead songs you could debate, like you take a, a Morning Dew, um, some people say Cornell, some might say Rochester, 9280, uh, Ale- you know, Alexandra Palace, England, 91074. These are all great versions. I couldn't definitively say which one's the best, and that's the case for a lot of uh, Grateful Dead songs, but this Let It Grow is crazy. It's um, imp- impossible improvisation at the, at the quickest of speeds. Uh, so we're singing is perfect. I mean, there's not a bad note here. And when they hit that main jam that has the three phases, every everybody in the band is locked in. They're making the, the, the chord change at the, at the exact time, building each jam perfectly, going from one to ten as you know, as far as the hotness of it. And it's just it's ridiculous. There's a point at the end where Garcia and and Brent Midland are just trading off licks improbable at the highest of speeds. And um, then it ends with a quality uh, outro jam. And even the last note, Jerry Jerry just savors it string by string. It's like the most beautiful, uh, one of the most beautiful endings I've ever heard to a song, This Let It Grow. So it's just it's perfection from start to end and an amazing exclamation point for the first set. And the, the beautiful music continues in set two. Sometimes when the uh, Grateful Dead did a set break, um, they cut. You know, the, the second set would have a different feel than the first set, almost a different mood and tempo. But uh, Alpine Valley eight seven eighty two, it's seamless. It's it's as if, if they never took a break. The China Cat that, that opens this is so hot. Definitely uh, one of the better versions of from the eighties. And um, after like they hit the crescendo part, you know everything is going great. Uh, they just kept the jam going, and they got into that no man's land where it's not Cat, it's not Ryder. They just 
they're just uh, relishing relishing the jam, uh, extending it. A lot of the versions later in the 80s, they would hit the crescendo. It, it was great to see, but they would go quickly into Rider. This one, they, they took their time and put a nice little jam there, which I think you know really makes for a great version. Um, a couple of the versions like this uh, from this time period, 3981 Madison Square Garden, has perhaps the best uh, Cat Rider of the decade. And also Glens Falls, 1982, is a extremely hot cat rider where they do the same thing they kind of play around after the crescendo for a few minutes and uh you know extend the jam uh getting back to alpine valley the rider is very hot you know everything is just flowing nice and easy uh great cat rider and then they followed up with women are smarter (laughs) and this is a song at the time which was always disappointing at the time uh because you would hear women are smarter and and my first thought would be Oh great, they're playing Ico Ico, you know, and because uh, we we didn't know when, you know they play they were doing Women Are Smarter, and then all of a sudden they're singing this song Women Are Smarter, and never really took hold with me um, as I was as I was touring. I never never got all that excited about the song, but listening back to it on on CD or you know whatever your uh, listening devices, it's incredible. This is an incredible version of Women Are Smarter, as are most of the ones from 1982. The band is so into it. You could just hear Brent and and Phil playing all these little funky riffs. Uh, Garcia is totally totally in great jams. Weir always was a uh, you know huge on this song. It was a nice little show. Always a nice showpiece for me. Enjoyed playing it. But I think as the years went on, uh, the band kind of lost their enthusiasm for it. But these first, I'd say the first five to ten versions of Women Are Smarter are extremely hot. So yeah, check. Check this one out. You'll be like, wow. If you haven't heard, like, 1982 Women Are Smarters, uh, definitely um, a cool version. And then uh, they slow things up, get in another Jerry Ballad, Ship of Fools, another, you know, nice, nice version. Jerry's voice just a little off, but he's still singing his heart out on it. And then they go into playing in the band, and the Grateful Dead do what the Grateful Dead do during playing in the band. It's just... Uh, you know, some uh, wild stuff for about 10, 15 minutes. But the best part of this is the return of playing in the band after Drum Space. So we got Drum Space and a real nice, well-developed wheel. It's uh, another excellent version. Uh, if With this Dick's Picks 32, Dick knew what he was doing. He always picked shows for certain reasons. And this, this show is just loaded with great versions. So once again, the singing's on and just everything tempo's right. And it's a nice slow uh, wheel, and then they go return it to playing. And my God, this playing—they just—they—if there was a roof on Alpine Valley, they would have ripped the roof off the place. It's just a romping, stomping uh, playing in the band where where the band is just going on and on, and Garcia's wailing after they sing the final chorus. So it's definitely one of the best returns, reprises of uh, playing in the band. And then lo and behold, I'm out there in the audience hoping for the do. And bam, they hit hit the note for Morning Dew, man. It was it was so exciting. Just a great uh, to be out there on this day with the music, sugary music to open, that great Let It Grow. And then you get the Holy Grail, Morning Dew. And at this point, Garcia is singing pretty good. His voice is really loosened up at this point. Uh, the thing with this Morning Dew, it was great to see, but it's a little up-tempo. And the ending jam is not as hot as a lot of them. I think this was kind of characteristic of 1982, they didn't extend some of the jams as long, uh, d- depending on the song. It's on a song-by-song song kind of thing. In 1983, they definitely did some uh, 
long, longer jamming on most songs. But 1982 definitely had its own, you know, the, the band was so crisp and on fire. So uh, each, each year has its, uh, its, its positive a- attributions. But I do like this Morning Dew from Alpine Valley. Um, the great singing, the, the little bit of a quick pace is interesting. And the jam is definitely unique. It's, uh, you know, they didn't go for, you know, they didn't hit that big, uh, powerful fanfare, you know, finale where, where the, the whole band's going nuts. But there's some nice licks in there. And it definitely, you know, it's, it's cool to listen to because it's different. And then uh, they go into one more Saturday night. And, I mean, Garcia's having a great night, but Weir's on fire this night. The one more Saturday night is, is just uh, hard to rate versions, but this is definitely one of the better ones. And as they're winding it up and they're doing the final round of one more Saturday night, Weir calls out one more time and they, they bring it on home. Uh, a beautiful rock and roll uh, uh, finale, um, you know, and a, a wonderful Saturday night. And then the, the encore was U.S. Blues, you know, another, I mean, pretty typical, but hey, when you listen to, when you listen to this on, uh, you know, you're listening to it on CD, it's just, it's another just great version where uh, I, they hardly made a mistake on this night. So, you know, no, another great version of U.S. Blues. And then it was time to get a little bit of rest after the long road trip and prepare for night two at Alpine Valley. But uh, that... August seventh show is is definitely has to be top five yeah in the top five of the hundred and fifty two Grateful Dead shows that I saw. August eighth, nineteen eighty two was another beautiful sunny day out there in Alpine Valley, out in the Midwest, all fired up from the night before we returned, and I was inside the pavilion for this first set. And I'm just gonna point out a few highlights from uh from the first set it was an alabama getaway promised land starter uh to kick the show off uh mid set uh, one of the first big highlights believe it or not is little red rooster uh garcia goes off on this uh, descending jam it's just a concise one round solo after uh weir's slide guitar and um man does he go off on it you got to listen to this rooster it's incredible and Red Rooster is one of the most, uh, I find it's a maligned song. A lot of people uh, put it down. You know, you, you look online, social media, you bring up a rooster, and, you know, people just look, looked at it as a, kind of a boring tune at times. And I did find that that was, that was the case as the decade rolled on. I think Garcia lost interest in it, and we put a little too much slide. Uh, you know, they kind of clash sometimes. Uh, Garcia really didn't grab it by the throat like he did in 81 and 82. Almost every version from 1981 and 1982 is incredible. Uh, once again, Glens Falls has the ultimate rooster where, where Garcia does two rounds on it and goes nuts. Um, but yeah, we were always excited to see it, and we got to see it every other show uh, in 1981 and 1982. One night they would play C.C. Rider. The next night they would play Rooster almost without, uh, without any difference. Every, you know, either it was C.C. Rider night or it was Rooster night. And we were always excited when it was Rooster Night, man, because uh, Doug and a bunch of people I used to run through shows with, we, uh, we dug the way uh, Garcia hit that last jam on Rooster. It's a 10-song first set in Alpine on uh, August 8th. Uh, Loser and Peggy O, I think, are the uh, Jerry highlights. And the 10th song of the first set was a, a complete shock. It was a, you know, an incredible surprise. Samson and Delilah attend the set. And I mean that song has presence, you know, and has gravitas. It definitely, uh, you know, in in the set ending role, which I think this is the only time they ever did it as a first set ender. Man, it, it held its own. It was a great, great way to end the first set. 
And of course, it was Sunday, which uh, you know you you're most likely going to get your Samson and Delilah on Sunday. But uh, you know the band was just right on uh, through all the jams on it. Great way to end the first set. Set two, Brent, Brent gets in uh, his song "Far From Me," and for me, that's one of the top three Brent songs. I like "Far From Me" a lot. Kind of cool the way the band does the harmonies on that. Always uh, great to hear uh, Jerry sing his his uh, backing vocals on that. Good tune. And then uh, Alpine Valley was enlightened, and they got Scarlet Fire, and we were so excited to uh, to see Scarlet Fire. Uh, but once again, to be honest about it, it wasn't a spectacular version. It was good. Uh, 1982 Scarlet Fires um, are not on the level of 1983. 1983, they really dug in and jammed it out a, a lot longer. Uh, but for a good a good 1982 Scarlet Fire, I think you could... Uh, Norfolk's a pretty good one. But a lot of them are just uh, shorter shorter than 83, 84, and also what preceded it. So, um, but, st- but still cool. You're, I mean, you're happy as hell. You're seeing Scarlet Fire, which I was at the time. Then they went into Estimated. It's a, it's a pretty cool version of Estimated. I, I listened to it again. I was kind of surprised how hot it was. And they did a you know long long outro, except on this night, they went into nothing. It was just Estimated, Jam, Drums. And at that point in my career, it was starting to be a little bit of a problem uh, because I, it took me 22 shows to catch my first size of the world. Uh, my very first show, I saw an Estimated Uncle John's. I caught estimated he's gone. I caught estimated space, uh, estimated anything but eyes of the world. It took me 22 shows to see my first eyes. It's almost impossible to go to 22 shows and not see eyes, but that's what happened. Uh, my first eyes of the world was Providence, and I must say it's a pretty damn good one. Uh, Providence, April 20th, 1983. Uh, so we got an estimated jam, drums, space. Jeez, uh, I think it was other one, not fade away, Warfrat which were all pretty good. Uh, nothing sensational there, but the show was rolling along good. And man, did Weir kill it at the end. It just, he did the, the, the good loving. The whole band's playing, playing out of their minds on it. It's a great good loving. And usually a song I wouldn't rave about, but uh, you know, Weir's doing the whole rock star thing, ad-libbing, but everything's working. You know, sometimes you listen to it and, you know, you're so-so, whatever. This one is just full throttle, man. They had Alpine Valley dancing out of their minds it, it, it was it was just it was so powerful it was the best good loving i ever saw and um there's only one way to follow that up for an encore satisfaction and this was also the greatest satisfaction i ever saw they were so they were so on on this ending you know sometimes you can you know you could rally and just save a show with uh with a powerful ending and uh in satisfaction you know in satisfaction towards the end i mean weirs just t- He's out of his singing, out of his mind. You know, just a rock star. Um, you know, if you like that kind of thing, you, you'd, you're going to love this good loving and satisfaction. But uh, in the rap, it's like a nice long rap. He gets the audience involved, and he also does a chorus of Wang Dang Doodle. I've never seen it tracked as satisfaction into Wang Dang Doodle back into satisfaction, but it's enough of a little bit of a Wang Dang Doodle there. At least they do the whole verse of it. Um, you know, so that it, it could have been tracked like that if somebody did it, I wouldn't argue with it. But uh, so, in a way, that might be the uh, debut of Wang Dang Doodle, uh, although it wasn't a full version, so you couldn't really consider it. But uh, yep, you get a verse of Wang Dang Doodle, amazing satisfaction. And then Jerry closes it all up the two night stand at Alpine Valley with Broke Down Palace. Fare you well, my honey.
Man, I wish I wish we knew that they were playing Iowa and we went to Iowa after Alpine Valley because two nights later they played an incredible show in Iowa on August 10th. And uh, the other, there was one other great show from this tour. Well, that's debatable. Most, I'm sure most of the shows were great. But undeniably, they played Kansas City a couple of nights before Alpine on August 3rd. And that's a great show uh, worth checking out. You know, great set list, great playing. Iowa and these two Alpine Valleys, man, just prime 1982 Grateful Dead. Um, so that's the first episode of Deadology. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. If you'd like to check out some of my books, uh, you can go to my website, tangledupintunes.com, and also available on Amazon. But if you look me up on Amazon, I would put Howard F. Weiner, because there's a Howard Weiner who wrote books on neurology. That's not me. I'm the, the fun guy. You put the F in there for fun, and you get Grateful Dead and Bob Dylan books. But hey, thanks a lot for listening, and I'm going to be back soon with another episode of Deadology. Peace out. <laughs>